of how in the world it's scary to think of the deceitfulness of sin. Now, of course, the Bible already told us that Moses was a really humble man. But look, look how he responded. When Moses heard this, he, he fell on his face. And he spoke to Korah and all his company saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord will, will show you who is his and who's holy. The Lord will bring near to himself even the one whom he will choose. He will bring near to himself. So we read in Hebrews 5, the high priest, no one takes this honor to himself. He's appointed by God. Now what should be scary is that these knuckleheads should have gone, wait a minute, what happened to Aaron's sons when they burger kinged priesthood? Do you remember reading that story? They just decided they'll offer their own sacrifice. And they just walked into the tent and just offered a sacrifice. And fire came out from the Lord and killed them. Did, did they forget this? And so, so, so Moses somebody says, look, I didn't take this job. God put me here. Let's let God show who it is. He says, here's, here, here's what we'll do. Take censers for yourselves, you and all your company. Put fire in them and lay incense upon them in the presence of the Lord tomorrow. And the man whom the Lord chooses shall be the one who's holy. Now, remember what they said to Moses? You've gone far enough, right? Well, now Moses turns it around. He goes, no, you've gone far enough. It's like a throwdown. He's like, so let's see what happens. Then Moses said to Korah, and this is really convicting. He says, look, and, and you and I need to realize this. We should just be grateful for whatever mercies God has shown us, right? If I live in a homeless shelter and I'm a street person, rather than going, why can't I have that mansion? I should be going, God, thank you that I'm still alive. You're full of mercy. And so we're reminded as Christians, stop whining about what you don't have and be grateful for the blessings and the privileges that you do have as a Christian. Moses said to Korah, hear now, you sons of Levi, is it not enough that God has separated you from the rest of the congregation to bring you near to himself? Like, like you're already privileged, dude. Like, you're not just one of the Israelites. You're a Levite. God chose you. He allows you to do the service of the tabernacle and to stand before the congregation to minister. He's brought you near. And then he says, are you seeking for the priesthood also? And again, I smell the sulfur here because... Uh, this is what the devil does. He's been doing this for a long time. Don't focus on what you have. Focus on what you don't have. Instead of Eve going around, hallelujah, I could have mandrakes, figs, oranges, marmalade. I could make all kinds of pies. The devil goes, yeah, well, what about that tree? She's like, well, that's, yeah. I mean, wow, yeah, you're right. And isn't that how God works? We're blessed, we're privileged, we have things in our lives for which we're grateful, but what don't we have? Why can't I have his job? Why can't I have his wife? Why can't I have his house? Why can't I have his car? It's part of being a sinner. And this ambitiousness says, Moses is like, you serious? Look how God's blessed you, but, but now you want to be the top dog? Therefore, you and your company, Moses says, you're not gathered against me. You're against the Lord. Who is Aaron? Aaron's just... A man, you're, you're really, you're challenging the Lord. And really, that's, that's, when we have that discontent, complaining spirit, that's who we're really discontent with. Not our spouse, not our house. It's God. I don't like it. And so then Moses sent a summon to, now this is bold. He said to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Elab, to come up. And they said, 
We're not coming up. We don't have to do what you say, Moses. I'm like, wow. Don't they remember when Moses went up on Mount Sinai not that long ago maybe and God spoke so fearfully from heaven and lightning and fire were on the mountaintop that they begged Moses, "Ah, please, you talk to us. Don't let God talk to us. We're terrified of him. And now the same guys are gone. We don't have to listen to you, Moses. And look at these lies. They said, you brought us up from a land flowing with milk and honey, and now we're going to die in the wilderness. Is it me or is that insanity? They were in Egypt being beaten and making bricks all day long and crying out every day to God, and God delivers them and says, I'm going to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. And now they completely turn it around. They go, we used to be in a land of milk and honey, and now you're bringing us up here to die. And again, one chapter ago, God's like, I'm about to take you into the land of milk and honey, but you wouldn't believe me, and now you're not going in. Sin is crazy, isn't it? And so they mock Moses. What are you going to do, put our eyes out? We're not coming up. What are you going to do about it? I one time had a man... In a church I pastored, and I said, do, do, do you struggle with um, the practice of this sexual sin? He goes, what do you mean, the practice of it? I do it all the time. I said, but you told me you're a Christian. He goes, I am. And it's none of your blank business what I do. And I said, well, are you aware that the Bible says if a Christian who professes to be a believer persists in sins like these... Do not associate with them. Put them out of your midst that they may be put to shame. That's 1 Corinthians 5. He says to me, what are you going to do? I thought he was going to hit me. He says, you're going to kick me out of the church? I'll call the paper. I'll call the police. You can't stop me. What are you telling me? I lost my salvation? And in my mind, I'm thinking, no, you didn't lose it. (laughs) I don't think you ever had it. But sometimes people can become incredibly bold. And so look how Moses handles this. Moses became very angry and he said to the Lord, don't regard their offering. I haven't taken a single donkey from them. I haven't done them any harm. And Moses said to Korah, you and all your company, come here tomorrow before the Lord. Take your fire pan and incense and each of you shall bring his incense before the Lord, 250 fire pans, and you and Aaron shall bring his fire pan. So where were they getting this incense? They had to come up to the, to the altar you see the line in the morning, 250 is worse than Chick-fil-A at lunch, right? 250 people <laughs> lined up, getting their little pan of smoke, right? Wow, that's bold, right? And they're like, this is going to be good. Moe's going down. He doesn't know who he's messing with. So they took their censers and put fire on it. They laid incense on it, and they stood at the doorway with Moses and Aaron. Thus Korah assembled all the congregation against them at the doorway of the tent of meeting. And, and this is what's funny. When you're reading a book on numbers, every once in a while, this God just comes along. Boom. So remember, the glory of the Lord, his Shekinah presence, appears in the congregation. Then the Lord said to Moses, separate yourselves from this congregation that I may consume them. Like, back up, Moses, because I'm going to just nuke them all right now. But they fell on their faces. Look at what a gracious man Moses was. He said, oh, God. God of the spirits of all flesh, when one man sins, will you be angry with the entire congregation? 
I want you to think about that. Every single one of us sitting in here, God is the God of the spirits of all flesh. And ultimately, it's not about what my wife says or does or my neighbor or my boss. It's just me and God. And, he, and, and, and I'm wide open before him. Nothing's hidden from him. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell them in the congregation, get away from Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram. Look, he had to go to them. He said, come here, I want to talk to you. They said, we're not coming. So he says, all right, I'll come to your place. So he goes to them with the elders, and he says to the congregation, he says, everybody around there, get away from these guys. Depart from the tents of these wicked men. Don't touch anything that belongs to them, or you're going to be swept away with their sin. Now, what's interesting is I'm surprised that the people didn't side with them. I'm surprised they didn't go, no, Moses, you get away from us, because he's got 250 key leaders backing him. But in the mercies of God, people repented of their their foolishness. That's what happened at Nineveh, right? What in the world caused them to to listen to some stinky, fishy guy going, you better repent? Why didn't they just smack him and spear him and say, get out of here, you moron? But instead they repented because God is merciful and he grants repentance. And anytime God keeps us from sinning, we should just... Praise him for his grace. And so the people came to their senses and they got away. And listen, isn't that what God says to us today as Christians? Come out from among sin and be separate. In the book of Revelation, read chapter 18 where it says, come out from Babylon. Do not participate in her sins. And that's what's really hard about being a Christian in America. There's so much Sin going on, not just outside the church, but even people who come to church. And we just get swept up with it like, well, yeah, everybody does that. And God's going, no, if you're my people, come out from among them and be separate and don't touch the unclean thing. Live a separated life from sin, not a legalistic, you know, self-righteous, but, but turning away from sin. If God says sex before marriage is wrong, then it's wrong. Drunkenness is wrong. Stealing's wrong. Lying's wrong. So Moses says, now you're going to know that the Lord sent me. If these men die the death of all men, if they suffer the fate of all men, then, then God didn't send me. But if the Lord brings about an entirely new thing and the ground opens up its mouth and swallows them and they descend alive into Sheol, then you'll understand that these men have spurned the Lord. Moses goes, if, 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 if they go into their grave just a, a, a natural death, then I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a poser. You don't have to listen to me. Because watch, watch, watch what's going to happen. And that's scary. When he finished speaking these words, the ground that was under them split open, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up. Their households and all the men who belonged to Korah with their possessions. You know what's really hard about that? is the children. Like their kids went down with them. There are things in the Bible that are difficult, right? Like, God, why, why did their kids have to perish? And sometimes we have to sort of step back and say, the secret things belong to God. Like when God wiped out the Canaanites, he killed the children too. But he told us in Scripture 
that it was because their wickedness had come up so high. He knew that this pattern, they were going to grow up and do the same thing. They were going to sacrifice their children. They were going to disgustingly blaspheme God. And sometimes God lets things happen that are like, wow. And I want to encourage you, when, 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 when things like kind of freak you out, and you're like, I don't understand that. The Bible teaches that when we can't understand what God's doing, that we have to trust him. When Jesus gave hard sayings and everybody said, we're not following you anymore. He didn't say, oh, please, let me try to make it simple. He said to Peter, you leaving too? And Peter said, no, Lord, where can I go? You have the words of life. So I understand. Some of you have questions. You're like, I don't understand God. Why does he do that? But I really want to encourage you that the Bible teaches that he's good and he's just and he'll do what's right. And that's sad and it's scary. But God's good and he had a purpose for this. And it's not like these poor, innocent people didn't deserve this. But then what about the other 250 with their fire pans? You would think, you know, already these people fall on the ground. But then fire comes forth from the Lord and consumes the 250 men who are offering the incense. So now you've got, it's like a, a bomb just went off and there's smoldering smoke and burnt bodies laying all over. And each one of them had an incense. And again, in God's mercy, he's like, I want to prevent this from happening again. I don't want to to destroy people. Jesus said, God didn't send me into the world to judge the world, but the world would be saved. So God says, take up from their midst all of the censers and let them be hammered into sheets. And look at the last verse. And there'll be a sign for the people. Note, let this remind you what happens when when you rebel against God. So Eliezer the priest took the bronze censers which the men who were burned had offered and they hammered them out as a plate for the altar, as a reminder. So from that day on, whenever you went up to worship, you could see like, oh yeah, note to self. Again, this idea, tassels. So so sort of as, as you're going along in life, you'll read things like Acts chapter five and you go, wow. God, why did, why did you kill those, those, that couple? I mean, why, why did they have to die just because they told a little lie? And John MacArthur used to say, it's kind of like a billboard to, to just remind us that following the Lord is a serious thing and that the Lord is a gracious God, but, but the Bible says God is not mocked. So at this point, you would think, wow, they finally get it. This is unbelievable. The smoke is still coming up from these people's bodies. And the next day, the congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron saying, you killed all those people. Can you imagine that? God sent fire down from heaven and the earth swallowed up. And and now they're blaming Moses. You did it. You caused the death of the Lord's people. And the congregation assembled against Moses and Aaron. And I'm going to assume here they were going to try to kill him. They're, They're like... Let's just kill Moses and Aaron right now. But it says, they turn toward the tent of meeting and the cloud, and God kind of steps in again. Here comes God again. It gets between them. The glory of the Lord appears, and the people probably step back. And the Lord said to Moses, get away from this congregation that I may consume them instantly. You're starting to see a pattern here? And what does Moses do? He doesn't say, get them, God. I'm so sick and tired of these people. Let me help. But, he, but, he, but he, again, he pleads on their behalf. Please, God. They fell on their faces. Now, now, Moses understood something, that Aaron was the high priest, and the high priest's job is to be a mediator between God and sinners. 
to go into the presence of God and pray for them and sacrifice for them and plead for God's mercy for them. And so, so no sooner do these knuckleheads offer false incense on their false altars and God sends fire from heaven. Now they want to kill Moses and he sends Aaron with his real incense as a high priest mediator. And you see where this one's going to, 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 to cover the wrath of God. So, so Moses knows what's going to happen. God's going to start killing people. So he says, take your censer, put it in fire from the altar, lay it upon there and bring it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord and the plague has begun. People are falling. You ever teach your kids ring around the rosy? Look it up sometime and read what that's about. There was a reason they had a pocket full of posies, and there was a reason why ashes, ashes, they all fall down. Who in the world came up with the idea of making that something for children to sing about? <laughs> what are they thinking here? God's killing people, and they run into the midst, and he puts the incense, and he makes atonement, and he takes his stand between the dead and the living, so the plague was checked. But by the time he even got out there to, to, to make an atonement, it says uh, 14,700 people died beside those who had who died on account of Korah. Then Aaron returned to Moses at the doorway of the tent of meeting for the plague had been checked. You're like, hmm, this stuff's kind of depressing. And I'm like, yeah, it's a little sobering, right? Remember, remember how I sometimes tell you, it's not all positive, encouraging, K-love. Like, I need that. <laughs> I do. I need encouragement. I'm not a K-love basher. But I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't put this on K-love, right? But why would God put something like this in the Bible for us? Well, let me suggest as we close, there's a couple things. Let's go back to chapter 15 where he talked about intentionally sinning, right? I don't think anybody wakes up one day close to Jesus and the next day says, I'm throwing it all away. I think it's gradual. Sin is deceitful. And before you know it, you start violating your conscience. You're thinking, doing, saying, and plotting stuff that you could never have imagined. And so I want to plead with those of you who have wandered in your heart that nobody thinks it's going to happen to them, including me, but it does. And the Bible teaches us to watch and pray and guard our hearts and be ruthlessly open and accountable and if your right hand is causing you to sin, Jesus says, cut it off. In other words, if we are forgiven followers of Christ, sin matters to God. Don't go, oh, outbursts of anger, they're no big deal. Little lies, they're no big deal. Sin matters to God. And I am so thankful that he's so merciful and he's so forgiving. So, so I think a couple things. Number one, we need to constantly remind ourselves to live for the Lord. But most importantly, I want to close by reminding ourselves of something even more important, and that is, Jesus. And you go, how are you going to get Jesus out of this one, Pastor? Let me see you pull Jesus out of this one like a rabbit out of a hat. Remember, all of the Bible points us to Jesus, right? Well, isn't Aaron really doing what Christ did? Because God's wrath is upon the whole world. The Bible says in John 3.36, if you believe in Christ, you're not condemned. But if you don't believe, God's wrath is upon you like a scope and when you die, the trigger's pulled, and you enter into hell. And Jesus came down, and he didn't wave incense 
to, to check the plague. He went up on the cross and he took the wrath and he was punished and he shed his blood and he said, Father, forgive them and punish me, right? And, and Jesus bore God's wrath so that I don't have to. So I want to encourage you to, to, to celebrate Christ. You're like, well, what do you want me to do? Have like a little reminder to obey God? No, I got a better one. Remember the cross every day. You're like, why do, what? that's what communion is, right? This is my body that's broken for you. So this week, I want to challenge you as you're struggling with your sins, instead of just going, I'm not going to do that. I need to stop doing that. Start looking to Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for bearing God's wrath. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm a new creature in Christ, that I can change. You can't have victory if there's no conflict. I, I have to be willing to turn and trust. And so for those of you who are wounded today in your conscience, you're like, I already feel guilty. There's mercy with Christ. If you're a Christian, he's not up there ready to kill you. You're a child of God. You are forgiven. But if you're kind of like playing around, I really want to encourage you, stop it. If this passage doesn't, doesn't sort of sober you up, like I want to walk with the Lord in, in, in sincerity, I don't know what will. But lastly, remember this, that we all have a part in the body of Christ, right? Here we are at Riverstone Church with all of our mess. Somebody said, the pa- my pastor tells me the church is a hospital. I'm like, yeah, my pastor tells me that too. We are a hospital, right? And every one of us has a part here in this church. Really think about this. Paul says in Romans 12, present your bodies to God. But then he says, each one of us, since we're in the body, use your gifts. Get involved serving others. And you're like, well, I want to be up there preaching. Or I want, I want to be the boss. I want to lead this. And I want to be the, the commander of this. And God's saying, no, listen. Just, just know your role and, and, and be thankful. Don't worry about what you don't have. Let's be thankful for what we do have. What's cool is God's given us all different jobs. But we all have the same blessings in Christ, right? He doesn't say to preachers, I give you special blessings. We're all the same. We're forgiven. We have every spiritual blessing. And I want to encourage you. Jesus loves you. He has a plan for you. If you're a Christian, you are forgiven. You have gifts. You can contribute. And you matter. And we need you. And your service is important to Christ. Every single one of you, no matter what you do for Christ here. So let's just be grateful for that. And thank God for what we do have. And the next time the devil comes along and he starts trying to get us to focus on ambition and what we don't have, just go, Jesus, help me here. I'm starting to smell the sulfur. This feels like Satan drawing me to do the same things that the people of God did. So let's, let's close by just coming to Christ. And some of you, I want to I beg you. Some of you come here once in a while. Like, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I'm not sure if I even care about it. If you don't know that you're going to heaven... Jesus wants to give you a gift of salvation. But you have to come to him. You have to talk to somebody. Ask somebody, please, before you go today, if God's speaking to your heart, say, hey, can you match me up with somebody who could answer my questions? Can you give me something to read? I want to find the Lord. I want to know that I'm forgiven. That's what we're here for, to help you to find Christ and his free salvation that's offered by grace. So let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this passage. It's quite sobering. And I think there's a little bit of Korah in all of us. 
there's certainly a little bit of pride and discontent and a desire for things that, that we don't have rather than praising you for what we do have. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming down to this earth and offering the ultimate sacrifice, yourself. So we are now forgiven. And as a forgiven community, Lord, there are so many in this church who are making disciples, and I'm so thankful for that. Bless them, Lord. Empower them. Every one of them, send them out this week to raise their families, to obey you, to bless others, to give and to share the gospel. And Lord, we just look forward to the way that you're going to call people to yourself and that we are going to advance your kingdom until you come back. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Don't forget about Crosstalk, and then if you want a brochure for the missions conference coming up.